The season is officially over for the New Mexico State men's basketball team, but the fallout from this alleged hazing scandal is just beginning. The school suspended the program, coaches are on paid leave, and some players are now packing their bags. Brittany Costello got a look at the police report at the center of this scandal, and Brittany, it's really hard to tell what's going to come next out of all this. Uh, absolutely, Tessa. The team ended up calling off eight of its scheduled games this season, two of those following the deadly shooting in Albuquerque. The rest, of course, with the latest hazing allegation. It's a major blow to a program that ended its last year on such a high note. I'm Damian Willis, and this is the Reporter's Notebook from the Las Cruces Sun News, a podcast in which we attempt to pull back the curtain on our reporting process while diving deeper into some of the biggest stories of the week. This week, we're talking to Las Cruces Sun News lead sports reporter, Jason Groves. We'll talk about everything that has happened in recent weeks surrounding the New Mexico State University men's basketball team. And it's been a lot. Jason took over coverage of the team just days after the November 19th shooting on the campus of the University of New Mexico, following the departure of former Sun News reporter Stephen Wagner. Since then, he has covered the team as they struggled to win games. Then, on February 10th, things got even less predictable. The Aggies were pulled off a road trip, and head coach Greg Heyer and his coaching staff were placed on paid administrative leave, following allegations of hazing among Aggie players. According to police documents, at least three players assaulted a teammate. The incident was reported to the New Mexico State University Police Department on February 10th, the incident report was made public on Sunday, February 12th. Minutes after the hazing details were made public, NMSU Chancellor Dan Arvisu announced that the remainder of the team's season was suspended indefinitely. Later, it was made clear that the season was canceled entirely. On Tuesday, February 14th, Arvisu announced Hire was fired as the men's basketball coach after less than one season. While both situations are still under investigation, some strong language has been thrown around by university officials since details started coming to light. This week, I'm happy to have Jason joining us. Jason, thanks for making time to join us today. Thanks, Damien. First, I, I want to... I want to point out that you sort of inherited coverage of the men's basketball team when Stephen left the Sun News, literally the day after the UNM shooting involving Mike Peak. In fact, Stephen's last assignment for the newspaper was supposed to be to go up to Albuquerque and cover that game. And then he was done. And that game never happened because of the shooting. What has that been like for you? Yeah, um, like normally in normal years, like that was that's kind of supposed to be my off time or my slow time where I'm able to like maybe focus on high school basketball and um, maybe do some other other like enterprise stories or whatever with the school. But yeah, that that happened. Like you said, it was the first time that I had to jump back into basketball since Mark Rudy left years ago to go to UNM. So it was, uh, I didn't mind, like, I, I obviously knew that Steven was leaving. So, and basketball happens to be my favorite sport. So I didn't mind it from that standpoint, but then 
like you said, like no one would have thought that that would be kind of the first thing basketball related that we'd really have to um, to report on. So it was kind you of a covering, quick. You weren't covering uh, basketball games for uh, for quite a while, uh, uh, at least not exclusively. No, it turned into it turned into more of a cops and courts type reporter it, for a while. Crime and sports, and, yeah, yeah, and um, I mean, obviously, as you know, over time, you know, we've lost a lot of crime reporters that would usually jump in and and take on a lot of that stuff. Not um, so. Justin Garcia has been great, but he has obviously a full plate of his own. So, like, he's helped when he can, but yeah. I've had to do more, more on the crime side. It's interesting, you know, definitely as interesting as a reporter. I, I don't mind doing it. I actually, it's very, it's uh, I know it's important journalism for the paper and for the community. So, but it's not something that you get a whole lot of as a sports reporter. It seems like it's presented a few challenges. Can you speak to those in terms of reporting it? Or? Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, when you when you're a crime reporter, it's almost like learning a new language. You know, there are legal documents you have to sort through. You've got to navigate the New Mexico court system, you know, their their website and all of the filings and motions and that sort of stuff. And that's not something you do a whole lot of. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that's like yourself and uh, Justin again. Uh, Lucas and Jessica, like, I mean, you know, if I know something that's going to happen in the legal system, maybe it's not story worthy, (laughs) you know, maybe not, we don't have to report or write a story on every single step, but you know, we have reported, I think, I think we've been fair in terms of, um, you know, when something with the shooting case, when, when, when people are charged or sentenced or whatever the case may be, I think we've, we've done a pretty good job considering that there's only like a handful of us working on it. Right. Yeah. I would, I would completely agree. The UNM shooting is still under investigation, which is being conducted by the roadie law firm and outside investigator. And I suppose we may be talking about that sometime in the near future. Once we know what comes of it, what's your sense of where it stands right now? Yeah. Um, you know, the other day, well, we're, we're, we're talking on Friday. On Wednesday, Chancellor Arbisu and Mario Mocha held a, held a press conference. And it was kind of after the, the firing of Coach Greg Heyer and the allegations of hazing. But they did touch on the shooting investigation. And um, Chancellor Arvisu was a little bit more forthcoming with information than I think people expected. There was a lot of information in that press conference. So some of the things that may have gotten glossed over was the fact that they have, they're in the process, if not this week, maybe next week, they'll speak to the, to the, to the students in, that were involved. And by that, I mean, um, I believe Issa Muhammad, uh, Chichi Avery and Anthony Roy, they showed up on the on the scene of the of the shooting. F, I don't know right about after, Mike Peak. after the fact, right? Right. I don't know about Mike Peak. Um, they didn't mention him as far as these hearings, but the chancellor called them disciplinary hearings. So what that kind of leads me to believe, and Chancellor Arbisu did talk about the process here a little bit on Wednesday, was that. 
he said, even if it's a common, something that would seem common in the world of college athletics, even if it's something that we know happens all the time, like for instance, a student breaking curfew and police reports indicate that multiple players were out past their curfew that night. Technically, that's against the student code of conduct at NMSU. So, you know, per, I don't know what the kind of penalties are. Um, Chancellor Arvisu went through the kind of the range of went from expulsion to suspension of uh, athletic activities to, you know, exoneration. So I'm sure that they're looking at other things as well, like how they cooperate, maybe how 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 much information they give. But those so that's those three students. We also learned that Greg Heyer at some point had a hearing scheduled with the investigators. And I believe he hired an attorney early in this whole process or, you know, kind of was represented throughout the entire time since the shooting. But that is why um, he didn't show up to a hearing that was scheduled as recently as as last week. So Chancellor Arvisu said that at least with the student's piece, I think we should have something fairly soon, he said. And Arvisu, I want to I want to play this clip because Arvisu was more forceful than I've ever heard him speak about how things like breaking curfew will uh, will not be tolerated. So uh, here's here's Chancellor Arvisu. Violation of our student conduct is unacceptable. Curfew violations are unacceptable. I know what happens elsewhere. You hear it about it all the time. Um, we will redouble our efforts. Not acceptable. Not at this institution ever again. So those kinds of maybe... Um, I would call them things where coaches are inclined to look the other way will no longer be tolerated at this institution. Absolutely not. After the UNM shooting, Jason, the team kind of went into a tailspin, at least to the outside observer. There was kind of a brief flash of hope just a few weeks before the season was completely shut down. What are your thoughts on that? So, uh the basketball part of it, like you said, um, they started the season 0-9. In the, they started the WAC 0-9. They had Anthony Roy, who was on probation, wasn't allowed to play in road games for a period of that time. But by the time that the season was shut down, he was able to travel with the team. They finally broke through and you know won a couple games, and they were close in another they bust to Grand Canyon after winning two straight and they they lost that game on the road and they were supposed to fly to Riverside, California. They did fly to Riverside, California. They were about to go through practice the day before their game on that Saturday when apparently calls were made to the administrators on that trip, which was um, James Hall, I believe they were practice was canceled. They uh, flew back that uh, then the next day I was actually, I live in El Paso. So I showed up at the airport. I wasn't expecting much in the terms of, um, you know, interview or whatever. And and sure enough, you know, coach hire didn't want to, didn't want to talk. They went to they went back to Crucis, went back to campus where they met with some officials throughout the next 
few hours and um that was all that was all um in relation to the the hazing allegations that turned turned out to be made public on Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> I, I, I want to um, talk about how that played out because on Friday, February 10th, we learned about the allegations of hazing. We didn't know any of the specifics at that point, but how did you find out? I found out that it was hazing through some, some phone calls. I believe that like he commonly does Stadium national writer Jeff Goodman tweeted that the Cal Baptist game was canceled and that there were hazing allegations. And one of his tweets also said that there was a police report. So, I mean, you know, that information was out there. I was able to confirm at least that much. Uh, NMSU sent out a statement pretty quick after that, that um, Chancellor Arvisu had uh, made the decision to to bring the team back amid these hazing allegations. And, you know, like you said, and I think I tweeted out, you know, uh, Chancellor Avisu, if this is the, you know, I didn't work with him on matters of how he ran his university, but in terms of athletics, you know, he was more authoritative and decisive. They acted more, you know, in a swift manner on the hazing allegation than anything that I can remember. I think you said something um, like, where has this uh, Visu been for the past four years? Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think it was, I think they handled it well, I'll, I'll, you know, and I still, I still think they handled it well. They, you know, you could say, well, you know, we should have fired the coach earlier, you know, maybe, but, you know, they, maybe a day earlier, you know, I think they've, they've done what they, I, th- I think they've done what's fair. Now they're figuring out kind of what to do with the assistance. Um, their contracts all run out on April 30th. So, you know, is there, are they on firm legal grounds to fire them before then, or do they just let those contracts run out? Either way, I think the entire staff will be gone next year. I don't think anyone expected them to be back when this kind of stuff happened anyways. Hey, taking taking listeners inside the the newsroom or the virtual newsroom, I think we actually got the incident report on Super Bowl Sunday on February 12th. And I'll note that it's not at all common for the university's general counsel office to be working on Sunday. In fact, they don't even have to acknowledge the receipt of a request uh, uh, for, for public documents within three business days. So Sunday, not generally considered a business day, but they were really quick to turn those, those documents around. Yeah. You, uh, you know, you obviously have a lot of experience with uh, information requests from not only your time as a reporter, but also your other, your other jobs that you've held. So, and that's what they told us to, um, I think that, uh, you know, we were told initially that we could get them Saturday and that because of obviously I'm sure a flood of a flood of requests that the school and the police department were working on turning that around, like, uh, kind of expediting that process that you just explained. The, the, I, I think the, the official term is lickety split. <laughs> and, you know, I think everyone, so 
I think everyone expected some sort of redacted document that surprised anyone. But I, I know that I had mentioned to to you, and then I believe it was a KFOX reporter on Wednesday who also said, you know, usually suspects are not redacted, even, you know, even if they were not, a you know, NMSU's explanation is, well, they haven't been charged of a crime. And that's, I think, what you explained to me as well. Right. But the reason I asked you is when we got UNM police documents from the shooting in November, all of the names of everyone they interviewed, including people that were eventually charged in that crime, um, in that attack at, uh, at UNM, those names were out there in those documents and they weren't redacted. So I don't know why that is, but I asked you guys and, um, and, and where you know, I think someone else noticed it, where too. I think I came down was that it may have been a failure on UNM's part and not one on NMSU's part, because okay. as I read the inspection of public records act, I think that they are obligated to redact the names of people who are accused but not charged with a crime. Okay. Uh, that's my reading. And that's what NMSU, um, that's what they said as well. So, you know, perhaps if, uh, if charges are filed, then we can learn more. I did ask the chancellor also if there's been any other incidents, hazing incidents reported to the school, um, not just the police department. And he did cite um, FERPA laws, but he also went through, and I don't know if you caught this or not, um, he went through kind of the process and the flaws of the process because sexual assault type situations like this go through, are investigated through the Office of institutional equity and he was saying that you know if if for whatever reason that office they conduct their investigation if they're not able to talk to everyone they need to talk to if uh you know maybe there's someone that you know they couldn't talk to or maybe they find out that a report was made not in the most you know ethical of reasons which i'm sure can also occur then there's it doesn't cross his desk. So even if there was a complaint, maybe he might not hear about it. And he seemed to he seemed to indicate that that's a flaw in their current their current system. Let's, so let's listen to the chancellor uh, talk about that. So um, when when there is a, a, a code of conduct violation uh, last year, we took the the the, the uh, fairly strong step that we took the reporting out of out of the athletics department and put it into the general, uh, uh, the, the dean of students process. Uh, and, and that now, it's been done a couple of years now, several years now. Uh, and the reason we did that was to make sure that there was an unbiased review of what's going on. If it's in athletics, that would be done by the dean of students. They get to make the call, not, not athletics. All right? so, so that's the process. Uh, if it becomes a Title IX issue, which obviously has to do with, with uh, some sort of sexual uh, uh, activity. If it becomes that, it goes into our uh, Office of Institutional Equity. And they have a very rigorous, very constrained way in which they both seek out to understand what has happened, 
uh, protect the individuals, uh, offer any kind of, of, um, of announcement, clear announcements, they call them timely clear announcements. It says, is there, is there a concern to the rest of the campus by what we've just learned? That kind of stuff is all done very rigorously in that process. When they are not able to complete their process by whatever, for, for whatever reason, the students don't respond or whatever, then they don't report. That's a deficiency. They don't, they don't let me know, hey, there's a, there's a concern in some particular aspect of our, of our institution that you, need to, you may want to take a look at. I can't tell you the specifics because I'm protected by federal law that says I cannot disclose. Right? But there are ways in which maybe that the information that is useful for us as administrators to go and take action, to go look deeper, to unveil things, that process still, I think, could be improved. If the allegations prove to be true, Jason, what might come next? Well, that's what I'm, I'm curious to find out because, you know, it's it's called they are students at NMSU, but they're also athletes. So, like, technically, let's say that they're expelled from the school, but they can still transfer to another institution. Right. So if they're charged with a crime, that that probably changes it a little bit. Um, I don't I don't think their basketball. I think their basketball careers might be over. But I, I was um, going to ask, what is what does the NCAA say about such situations where a player gets expelled? Well, with hazing, the NCAA kind of leaves it to the individual institutions to determine, like, if they're going to place their own programs on on suspension or, or whatever the case may be. I want to be clear that NMSU that was probably never like that wasn't necessary. And Mario Mocha said that, you know, at some point, and he didn't give a time frame, they're going to hire a new head coach and they're going to play basketball next year. So from an NCAA standpoint, I think, and from a conference USA standpoint, I think that those two entities kind of believe that NMSU's done everything in their power to do so far. They're, and they're just waiting for these investigations to close. I mean, from a legal standpoint, I imagine if charges are filed, I mean, we'll just go through that process here, here in town. If those cases are investigated, you kind of touched on this, but during a news conference last Wednesday, we heard head coach Greg Heyer and his attorney blew off a scheduled meeting with investigators regarding the UNM shooting. They had scheduled a meeting internally. And um, that meeting was to be held uh, earlier this week. And uh, the coach uh, declined to show up. What do you make of that? Yeah, um, my understanding was that Hire had consulted an attorney, you know, early on. So that's obviously something that he's allowed to do. And, you know, in his contract, there is a clause that said that, you know, the coach has to cooperate with the university conference or NCAA inquiries that are reasonable. I would think that this would be under that sort seems, of purview. seems to rise to that level. So, you know, either he was advised not to show up or, you know, he's obviously counseled to. And when someone's fired for cause, as he was, it'll be interesting to see if if the coach 
file some sort of lawsuit against the university as well, which right kind of I'm fights sure. back against it. Yes. How do you think NMSU has responded to the hazing allegations so far? Yeah, the hazing allegations, I think, like I said, um, I mean, we learned, it came out Friday, which I believe February 10th, which is when the police report was filed with New Mexico with university police. And then what, two days later, the police report comes out. I think that's when the chancellor announced that the season would be canceled on the same day. So that's two days after that. And then three days after that, the coach is fired. If I, if my timeline's right here. So, I mean, I think, I think it was uh, two days after, I think it was on Tuesday, the 14th Tuesday that that he was fired. And then the press conference was on Wednesday. So, um, everything moved very, very quickly. In fact, I think I sent you a message saying, I hate your life right now (laughs) because (laughs) everything was moving like so fast. Yeah. And it's, um, I mean, obviously it's, it's unfortunate and unpredictable that any one of these two events would ever occur. They're both, they're both, there's no handbook for the shooting. You rarely hear about hazing incidents and, you know, the step to shut down a team season is nearly uh, un- unprecedented. I, I I couldn't find one. <laughs> I, I think that you have to go back to something like 1959. I think it was like Long Island University or, or something like they they just uh, and and when it happened, I think they shut down all sports, not just not just one sport, not just one team. Okay. But one thing that's kind of interesting to note is that you can't Google Unlike everything else in the world, you can't Google like, oh, team suspends games for remainder of season because of COVID, (laughs) because you get thousands and thousands and thousands of results. Yeah, but not (laughs) (laughs) not not for this, though, not not like this, though. No. and, And just for those two things to happen in such a short amount of time, they said that it was contained to the men's basketball program and you know they ultimately decided to to shut things down which you could have made an argument to fire the coach after november but you know definitely i think the right thing was done after the after the hazing incident there's been a lot of talk about athletic director uh mario mocha uh previous guest on this podcast actually the administration has expressed full confidence in his ability to turn the program around. And on Wednesday, he defended his hiring decisions. What do you think his future holds? Well, I asked the, the chancellor on Wednesday if there would be more oversight from a university standpoint. And he said, He didn't really say that there would be, but he said that the processes would be, there'd be more oversight. There will certainly be improvements in our processes and and the way in which we hold ourselves accountable to ensure that our student safety is the top priority and that the the integrity of our program is sound. So those will continue to be parts of the uh, investigation and the results will, uh, will, will dictate what we do going forward. 
as you know, the chancellor is on his way out the door. So I don't know. Like, I don't know how that affects. Right. On, on you know, June 30th of this year, he's done. I don't know what how that how that's going to affect this. Obviously, whoever the new chancellor is or president or whatever their structure that they adopt, you know, those people are, might have their own people. They might want to go back and review everything that's happened. But it seems like if that's in the if that's in June, then Mario is going to at least go through the process of hiring the next coach. I think I would be very surprised if the chancellor isn't not that he's not already, but, you know, looped in along every step of, of this process. Mario's done a good job hiring coaches. I told him this, that when they hired Greg Hire, personally, I was excited about it. I thought um, he had a lot of, like, he is an energetic guy. He, he did have some Chris Jans ties, but he was kind of like his own guy. Yeah, Stephen um, was really excited about it, too. Right. And he kind of plays so a like, different kind of basketball, you know. So you look at it and it's not like a, a bad, a bad decision on paper at the time. But, you know, obviously it didn't work out. <laughs> that's the understatement <laughs> there, of the year. But that's what Mario said. Like, you know, he feels bad about what happened to the victim. Let's listen to he, what he um, said. It, basically, it boils down to nobody bets a thousand. Here's here's that. Well, I regret the outcome, but more I regret um, what's happened to the victim. Um, you know, I certainly think hindsight is twenty twenty, and uh, I made a list of every coach that I've hired at my alma mater, where I was also a student athlete at New Mexico State, and you know we've had an excellent batting average. Nobody bats a thousand. Uh, but uh, I am certainly tremendously um, disappointed in this outcome, right? Specifically for the victim, but for everybody involved. Um, so we'll go back and look at our processes. However, when I look at all the 12, 14 coaches that uh, I've hired as athletic director, most of them have been outstanding in the community, won championships, NCAA appearances, and a lot of them have left us and gone on for, you know, greener pastures financially. So I don't think our model is broken at all. However, do I have reservations? Uh, uh, we'll take a great look at our processes um, on the next hire. I do think as the athletic director, though, you're also kind of in charge of, of discipline. Um, the coach is ultimately that person for his or her program, but the three players who broke Kirkby that night, they missed a game, you know, one game. And it was kind of later along the lines when it, when it, you know, it took, it took all, it took a football game, a fight at the football game and a, um, and then, then it, then it coming out that they were on the, on the scene of the shooting, you know, to, to help Mike peak, but then they flood the scene. So, you know, they were suspended for one game. I think that I think that there's times when the AD can step in and and encourage the coach to 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 do, you know, something different, something. You know, I think that's within his purview. I think Mario even said that. So, you know, I think like that's what I would like to see him maybe take a bigger role in. And I would I would think that maybe the university would encourage him to do so. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's Mario's program. 
it's at his athletic program and he has always kind of let his coaches, he's kind of been like a, a stand, you know, stand off and let them run their program type of AD. And that's probably why coaches, coaches like working for him. And for the most part of his hires, it's worked out for him. We're clearly watching to see if criminal charges are filed against the alleged perpetrators in this. The victim has said he does not want to pursue charges, but it may not be up to him entirely. What are we going to be watching for as we move forward? Yeah, um, I was told we did ask for lapel video of the of the uh, the interview. And, you know, I, I was told that I would that we received that at some point. I'm sure that investigators have access obviously to all this stuff as well so we're we're just keeping an eye on it to see if to see if the da does file charges i don't, I don't know how that works so it, in previous cases and you probably have a lot more experience than me uh, i think the victim you know wanting to press charges i think that kind of helps along the process more than it's just if the da does it himself yeah if you don't have a cooperating victim everything becomes a whole lot harder Right. So um, I don't know where that stands, but that's from my understanding, the only way that uh, at this point, at least unless the victim were to to change uh, their mind would be if the D.A. decides to press charges. And to be clear, Jason, there are, according to the allegations, well, first of all, there may be a a second victim. Right. And. There also apparently were a lot of other witnesses. So with that in mind, I suppose you could go forward with charges even without the victim's cooperation. Right. Depending on what maybe some of those other people, like you said, the police reports are saying the police report said that some of this abuse happened in front of the, the rest of the team. So. Obviously, if they if they were to hear something from from those witnesses, then then I guess that could lead them to pressing charges without the with, you know, without the victims. Um, go ahead. Greg Heyer, who is making a base salary of three hundred thousand dollars per year, plus incentives, was terminated for cause. Here's what uh, Chancellor Arvisu said about that. Um, I can't talk about specifics necessarily. Uh, what I can say. Uh, he was terminated for cause. There's no settlement. Do you want to expand on that, Jason? The, the only thing I would add, it would be that in in his contract, it states that they have to notify the coach in writing which clause or clauses were, were violated if they do fire him for cause. I asked about that, and I think that it's still being maybe finalized by attorneys. Obviously, the fact that they... They fired him for cause. They're required to notify him in writing, but you know I haven't been able to determine which clause or clauses that he violated. Is there anything you want to add, Jason, that we haven't talked about today? No, I think that covers it. Thanks again, Jason, for your time today. All right, thanks, Damien. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Reporter's Notebook. We also have a newsletter sharing reporter stories about well, about how we report stories. You can find all of our reporting in the Las Cruces Sun News. A huge thanks goes out to Jason for joining us this week. 
You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and many of the places you find your favorite podcasts. Thanks to KOB4 in Albuquerque for the extra audio heard in this week's episode. This has been the Reporter's Notebook from the Las Cruces Sun News. I'm your host, Damian Willis. This week's podcast was written and produced by me. You can also find all our local reporting brought to you daily by reporters who live and work in Las Cruces at www.lcsun-news.com. For all of us at the Sun News, thank you for the privilege of your time.